you know, there's a lot of things that the technology opens up. Yes, we can make very fine fibers, but there's another thing that the technology does. We could actually make fibers from any polymer because the paper that, that we published that year, we were trying to explain how of a bigger leap this technology is. It's called the High Reynolds Nanofiber Producing Technique. High Reynolds and Reynolds number is actually a comparison between inertial energy and viscous energy. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. I'm your host, Nick Persichilli, and in this episode, I sit down with John Rollins and Amar Zaidi from The Big Nano. John is the president, chief technical officer, and founder, and Amar is the company's vice president and CEO. We first learned about them through our connection to CAPM when we did our podcast with them a few months back discussing masks and PPE. And the reason we wanted to speak with The Big Nano is because of their truly innovative use of melt-blown technology to make the next generation of advanced textiles. While chatting with John and Amar, I was reminded why the Trillium Network has a podcast. Because the topics we chat about are complex, and they take time to understand. In this episode, about halfway through, you'll hear me do a layperson's recap about what makes Big Nano's tech unique, because I needed to take a moment and really understand it for myself. See, if what Big Nano does had to be written as a headline for a report or a press release, it would simply read, Meltblown Textile Maker Finds Way to Make Smaller Fibers. That's the most boring way to explain what John and the Big Nano are doing, even though it's actually quite accurate. Now, I'm a pretty smart guy, but I'm not John Rollins smart. In order to understand why this tech is cool, I first had to get the basics of Meltblown and what it is, how it works, and what its limitations are. Only then could I understand what the implications of this new tech are. In short, in very short, smaller fibers means increased functional surface area. I'm not going to insult this technology by trying to explain it here. John and Amar do a wonderful job in the episode. Please see the timestamp below. There are countless ways this would turn the mask-making world on its head, but what stuck out to me in this episode was how many other applications for this technology we thought of by the end of the episode. One in particular was to clean up oil spills. Another was developing better firefighter clothing for improved insulation and safety. And John also explained how his innovative technique might also find its way to the EV battery manufacturing market. After listening, you'll likely have a few ideas of your own. All this because of smaller fibers. Of course, we also discussed other things like the challenges of finding talent, the disruptions of COVID-19, and the importance of mentorship. It was a great chat with two fascinating people making some fascinating textiles, and I'm very happy that they're making it in Ontario. And uh, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We are sitting in uh, a faraway boardroom from my normal office with, uh, with two new friends. Uh, gentlemen, would you please introduce yourselves? Hi, hi, folks. Um, my name is John, John Rollins, the founder here at Big Nano. We founded the company back in uh, 2018. And yes, we've been at it since. And you brought a friend with you, didn't you, John? I did. Hi, this is Amar Zedi. I am CEO at Big Nano, and I help John to do the commercial things a little bit better. So we at Trillium came to know of your existence through our friends at Capham. And I mean, after that podcast, I, I know that my interest was piqued about the science and technology 
of mask making and the importance of it and how the devil really is in the details, I've found. Let's just jump right into it. So tell us a little bit about the Meltblown technology that, that I mean, I, I, I've been impressed with it, but rather than me kind of go off and explain, why don't I let uh, the <laughs> two of you, uh, John, tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now. Okay, so um, the Meltblown technology itself was um, developed back in um, the 1970s. It was um, done on a um, research based in, in the U.S., Basically, what they're doing, they're melting a polymer and then they're accelerating that polymer into very fine jets. It was a very, with my background as a scientist, uh, that invention was simple and it was very ingenious. I find the simple invention ingenious. But what we're doing here at Big Nano, we are taking that concept and we are actually making it much more efficient than they did back in the 1970s. What we're doing, we are actually taking the process, and the process is making fibers from hot gas. But what we're doing, we're taking that process and we're basically studying it as an engine because we're using hot air to do work. So what we did, we actually took the process and we're examining it from the thermodynamic sense. In an engine, you compress, you heat, and then you expand. What we found is that in the old process, we were actually trying to extract energy in the heat rejection stage. So the stage after you expand. So, I mean, my background in engine design, when I looked at this, I said, this is a very inefficient engine. And we we sort of jumped into the problem from that perspective, making the system as uh, internal combustion engine. So where are you right now in the process of developing this? Is this ready to go? Is it, uh, is it, is it still being developed? Sure. Let, let me just take you back a, a, a bit, actually. So, I mean, because we developed much of the fundamentals for the technology back in my days at the University of Waterloo. So we, we, we found this abnormally in terms of this process is a very inefficient engine back at the university. And we were like, how come no one ever thought of this? So we jumped in, persuaded by my, my, my professor, of course. He was, you know, John, if you could solve this, you'd be not only a famous guy, but you'd be a very rich guy. So that, that was all that I, I needed at the time. And so we jumped into the problem. We, we start doing a couple things, and by golly, math and science do work so 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 so, 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 so you know it, it worked and um we, we were very excited we entered the technology in a very prestigious nasa tech brief competition and we were very pleasantly surprised when we, we replaced we were placed as one of the best inventions of 2018 so we were very excited and you know what because there's a lot of you know it's it's a you know, there's a lot of things that the technology opens up. Yes, we can make very fine fibers, but there's another thing that the technology does. We could actually make fibers from any polymer because the paper that, that we published that year, we were trying to explain how of a bigger leap this technology is. It's called the High Reynolds nanofiber producing technique. High Reynolds and Reynolds number is actually a comparison between inertial energy and viscous energy, right? When you have 
enough inertial energy, the viscous forces are nucleated. That, that's all High Reynolds mean. High Reynolds mean it, you're at a condition. Basically, the liquid, the nature of the liquid is insignificant. So it doesn't matter what liquid. The liquid could be like water or it could be like honey. Our process would actually take this liquid and process it into fibers. And this is the biggest one. Uh, there's many leaps, but this is one of the bigger leaps that we're moving from the old process, which was a low Reynolds number process, to a high Reynolds number process. So now we could do amazing things like making fibers from polymers that we didn't think could be turned into melt blown. So, is, yeah. that is that what you're holding in your hand right now? That This is what I'm holding in my hand right now. This polymer, this is a smart textile. So um, what this polymer actually, what this textile, this, this fabric actually does, it filters oil and it allows water to go through. So it's a, a smart textile. And, <laughs> and I'm holding in my hand and this, <laughs> this is an invention. This, 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 is, this is an invention in my hand. So from you guys, did you invent that? We invented before our technology, you could not make a fabric like this. What they would do, they would take the polymer and they would use the powder and they would just pack the powder in. But that creates a lot of problems in how you pack in it in the corners when you do it like that. But if you have it in a fabric, you could pack the corners, you could you make complex shapes. And not only that, processing it in the plant is more efficient because then you don't have a lot of waste from dust and moving it here, spills there. So the, the, the people who were actually trying to do this were trying to do this for 35 years. It's a company right here in Canada, in Albury. They were trying to do this for 35 years. So, so it's things like this that um, get me excited to sh not only find fibers, yes, but five fibers from what your imagination could run wild. That, that, that's, that's the thing that sort of excites me daily when I get up and, you know, have to put in another 24 hours of work or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and if you imagine all of the use in the environment and then we are now developing these materials with completely biodegradable products. So imagine a, a filtration media that is out there in the world and that is cleaning the oils and it's all the time directly in touch with the environment and now we are in a process of inventing it actually we have invented it being it completely biodegradable it is a giant leap that you know whatever it was a long time ago so that's a big help for everything i mean let me take you back a, a little bit more whatever john has just explained what does it translate into a commercial terms right then why why do we need to make all of this much better uh, melt blown was there since 1970s as he said then why do we need to make it much better well let's make it into recent pandemic terms right a mask made by traditional melt blown and mask made with our melt blown has different characteristics to it. So when you wear a mask, our mask has much more breathability. So imagine macro, micro, and then nano. So it allows a little bit better performance. So this is what have transformed it. I mean, people have been using masks for a very long time made by the traditional melt blown. And the uh, Particle efficiency to reach 95% has been a challenge all over the place. Our material uses it and we get up to 98%, 99% most of the time. We pass all the tests. 
Plus on the top, the breathability is not 10% better. It's not 20% better. Breathability at times is double. So the if you, if we take the pressure drop of a traditional mask and we take the pressure drop of our mask, it's a big difference between them. So in the commercial terms that we have given a consumer a much better breathable process, which is much safer as well. In the past, breathability and uh, the efficiency was always compromised with each other. Either it was a highly breathable mask, then it was not as efficient, or it was very efficient mask and it was not breathable. So there, here is a chance that we created in the last year or so that is now both together. And one more thing that is very important to mention here is, is not only we invented the process, the technology that the process is being made on is also patented to us. So there is a whole line of things here. It's not only the uh, composition of the material, it's on which machines the material is made. The actual heart of the technology is also patented to us. So it's a, everything coming together, a true Canadian effort that has all been put together with various people. I mean, in our organizations, we have John, we have research and development uh, technologists here. We have textile engineers here. I am textile technologist as well. So it's a highly educated facility where all of us are from engineering background and research and development makes a big part of our everyday life here. So question then, and pardon my novice understanding of this stuff, because this all sounds incredible. Did you guys mean to, or when you first set out to do this stuff, to patent this stuff, to think about this stuff, you weren't thinking about a fabric that could also assist in ocean cleanup of oil spills, were you? No, no. We, we, to be honest with you, we were just thinking of the way that nanofibers was pitched to me is that there's so many different areas that nanofiber can impact. Yes, we could make a excellent mask and we love that actually this mask just to just to <laughs> take you sideways for a bit this mask that i hold in my hand is the first reusable certified surgical mask in the world so there was a standard brought out in 2019 and this company from um, montreal they actually managed to pass that standard and they're the first company and they are making so you could wash this mask for a hundred times and it would still pass the, 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 the surgical level testing. And that has been certified. And this is the first in the world. So, and they could only do that by actually using our material. They tried all other materials and they, they said they could not have passed. You know, for me, that's, that's the exciting part. When I could see people taking our technology and actually innovating with it down the stream that that's an exciting path for me but just to go back to your question did we see all these things no i mean so like the story goes so we we won the award and then we were um sort of high on confidence and then we we, we raised some capital from family and friends we brought in our pilot line in uh, the ending of 2018 and we were switching the lights on <laughs> and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! The, the pandemic hit, and so so then we we obviously, what do you do with a excellent filtration material at that time? It was you a sort of a, yeah, a no brainer at that time. So, wow. 
So let's talk a little bit about the partnerships that got you here. Because I understand that, well, obviously your professor seemed to have lit a fire under you. He did. So once you got some, once you took that momentum and you kept going, Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about some of the partnerships that, uh, you know, whether they be governmental or other companies that uh, that got you here. Well, um, the good folks at NRFC for one, because they were the ones who could look at the technology and decipher is this, you know, what it was. I've been knocking their doors for ever since. And then with the pandemic, they, they, they really stepped up and helped us move to the next level. So I, I think the, the guys at the NRC have been there with us since day one. And then commercially, I'm going in, in order now, but, but I could, if I stick to the government, we also did have some support from the, the OC, the um, Ontario Center of Excellence. They helped us out. The folks at Engine allowed us to actually scale the technology and be at the level that we are right now to actually produce and meet the demands um, not only of our Canadian clientele, but also of some big players in in the USA as well. But I also want to shout out the guys up at Swanko because they, they, they they were one of the first adopters. They jumped in pretty early and and and, and they, they, they they supported us actually their surgical masks are six times better than the the standard so they are certified at one millimeters of water and they're certified with our material where when the the standard at and this is at level three and where the standard is actually six millimeters of water so a lot of our clients are also that helped us grow over the time. Once they saw what we can do and once they saw the potential in it, they came along with us on the ride, right? They uh, trusted us. They gave us advanced POs. Some of them actually became part uh, investment partners in the companies as well, and we have grown from there. And taking a step back, as you said, did we think of, having all of these things done. What we have done basically in the commercial term is now that we know that we have modified a geotextile and made it better. So now the endless possibilities are there. So we have actually created a process in which we in which we can enhance the properties of uh, known geotextiles. And from here we could go more and more and this is our job as a commercial side of it to expand on the horizon i mean pandemic hits and yes we were only into the mask at that time but now that we are coming out of it and our research and development has taken us into the various ways so it's not only filtration we are looking at ev battery uh, separators we are looking at some uh, medical applications more health and safety the fires so now Basically, as I said, we have learned how to make a geotextile better, and we can keep doing it now. I mean, textile has a lot of various possibilities. We do not realize then how much we can do with the textile. It's used in construction. It's used in health and safety. It's used with the with the fire department, defense contracts, uh, everyday electronic vehicle that you use, and the batteries inside that that helps uh, make it go around. So we are now slowly expanding all of it. And what advantages we have is that we can actually develop the characteristics according to what it needs to be. For example, 
our material can be a lot more heat resistant than a traditional material it would be because we can modify it, right? We know now the technology behind how to get it to be a high resistance material or a high temperature material. We have the technology, we have worked out the polymers that are used in it. So putting them together and with a dedicated research and development team, now we are, on, this is the tip of the iceberg. And every time we're going to move forward, we're going to look at something new to do. So for the lay people listening, like me, let's do a quick review. And I'm going to do, I'm going to kind of test myself here to make sure that I understand what's happening. So melt blown is blowing a polymer through a, a small opening to create a textile, right? Your process has found a way to reduce the size of the individual fibers and not only reduce the size, but you've also found a way to, now you can basically blow anything you want through there, whether like you said, it's water, or if you want to make a gown made out of honey, you probably could. So you've shrunk the fibers, meaning that you can now do all kinds of other stuff. You've, you haven't, and, and, and also, as I understood it on our previous conversation, the technology needed to make those smaller fibers, you didn't really have to redesign anything. You made it, it was a simple sort of switch. Is that correct? I, I wouldn't say it's a simple switch. I would say it's a, it's a genius move to recreate some parts of it that are used in it. See, the heart of the technology is what needed to be modified. So it is not a simple switch. It is a, it is a detailed analysis and then modifying it where you know where everything happens at the heart of it. At the nozzle, so it's not like okay, we changed two switches and we we're ready right, to go okay. now. I mean, you know, it was a lot more than that. Right. So through your ingenious modification, and I'm I'm being serious. Mm -hmm. From the sounds of it, it sounds like it's brilliant. So you can, you can blow smaller fibers, you can blow any kind of fiber, which opens the door for all kinds of textiles, whether they be masks or oceanographic recovery of spilt oil. See, I struggle to define innovation. But when I see it, it's pretty obvious. And to me, this sounds fairly innovative in terms of both what you can do, what you are doing. What's next? What's next is that we are currently working on, everybody works on biodegradable, compostable, but we only worry about the planet. We only worry about the soil. We are working now for making it marine. Really? Uh, marine biodegradable. So let's say if anything ends up on a sea or on a marine environment, it is not the same. Like some things that you can throw on the, on the soil outside and it can uh, decompose itself. But if you take the same thing and throw it in a marine, maybe it's not safer environment for that. So we are now working on even making marine safe as well, right? So if you work with oil spills and if you work with the other thing, even with the mask as well, what happened if the mask ends up in a marine environment? Yeah. You know, a lot of uh, marine life has already been damaged because of this. So at the moment, we are in a process of developing that to make marine life safer as well and having all of our material be also marine safe material. So question, how much of your catalog of products did you did Big Nano come up with during the pandemic? Like, did you guys all of a sudden create a whole bunch of new things that, oh, we, we need this, oh, we can make this? Do you guys have like a catalog of new things you've made? Um, I, I think it was um, basically some of, our, some of our inventions, like this one is like our clientele coming and say, you know what, we've been trying, like these guys, we've been trying to do this for 35 years. If your technology could do what you say it could do, Please make this for us. 
<laughs> basically and yeah we and we delivered and uh, that gave me a, a tremendous uh high and a feeling of, of satisfaction when you could deliver a product like that but um things we've we've seen uh so like so there, there's a geotextile we've been also been working closely um, on some niche water filtration stuff some stuff that we can't even say it's so wow okay <laughs> I, I, what, what i could say it's like the polymer itself for this application costs like about a hundred bucks per kilogram so it's very high end sort of high niche stuff um what else we could say well we've been working on the um firefighting um clothing so it, there is uh issue where some of the um fabrics that they're using right now in firefighting are about to be regulated out so there's uh, a bunch of people like just running around figuring out what would be the next substitution so that's also a thing that we've um, been working on and um the yeah the battery filter separators that that's a big one as well what can you tell me about those <laughs> well, at the moment, that is in research and development, and we uh -huh. are working towards uh, getting there. So mm. it's kind of in a stage where we, if we let out too much information, it can yeah. leak out. Gotcha. We, yeah. we let me just take you back a little bit also. See, textiles are made in two ways, right? Woven and non-woven. Woven textiles have their limitation. The shirts, the trousers, the regular material that you and I use in everyday life or have been used up till now into the firefighting equipment or anything like that, they have traditionally been um, woven material. They go through a lot of uh, processes and those processes are, have their own uh, limitation. You have to use a certain kind of material to get to that level. What non-woven, melt blown, is a non-woven process where you don't weave two things together. So woven and non-woven is that in a woven material, you put two fibers and you weave them together. So there are two fibers being woven together. And non-woven, you don't weave anything together, but you melt things together and you bring things together. So what that allows us to do is that allows us to directly add more qualities, more resistance, more uh, parameters to it. So that's why, as John mentioned, that a lot of uh, fire and the safety that regulations is going out of the way because they cannot sustain a heat level after a certain parameters, right? So the traditional woven material is either made of polyester, of cotton, or anything, whatever it is. It has a limitation. It reached 100 degrees, and then after that, you can feel the heat. What we are trying to do is that using our technology, we are trying to build up the resistance and the temperature resistance into the material a lot higher than they traditionally exist. So this is a very big advantage of a non-woven material that we can directly modify the qualities of how it, it is going to interact. And well, taking you back as well as you know, as you asked us that whether we came up with all of this in pandemic or not, basically, the essence is it is a filtration material. So that's the main use of it. Whether you use it to filter water, you use it to filter oil, you use it to filter battery separator, or you use it to uh, 
filter the air on the mask. So once we came up with a good filtration equipment during the pandemic, and then from there, the opportunities were limitless. We have a filtration technology. We have a filtration material in our hand. Now we can take it. So whether it's the air filtration or whether it's the oil filtration or water particle filtration, salt filtration, whatever it is, we can just keep on modifying it and going it from there. And now some, and if we go to the other uh, utilities like uh, fire and safety there, we do not need filtration, but we need to have the material uh, to be robust so that can handle the heat. Like firefighters walk into 100 degrees fires or 200 degrees fires and they need to be safe in there. And it has been coming more and more that as the environment and technology is growing, whatever the firefighters are dealing with these days, those environment are changing every day. Right? We we have not heard of somebody walking into 200 degree centigrade 20, 30 years ago, but it's happening right now. You have a plants all around the country, if not around the world, that you know they have they are chemical plants, they have they are plastic plants, and now we are dealing with all those things more and more so there so there is a need to develop on these things and that's where we are working on as well at the moment the big thing about going down in scale is that you present more surface area per unit mass or per unit volume so that's that's why nanofiber is exponentially better than microfiber because just the surface area that you present for doing stuff like in the the um EV battery, for instance, you're mm. presenting more surface area for ion exchange. So that's why a nanofiber battery separator is much better than a microfiber battery separator because there's a larger surface area for the ions to exchange. So then you could get more power, more, more power, more capacity and stuff like that more, more readily. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of neat things um and i've i know you're just getting it but i've been preaching this for years since you know i've seen the technology and one thing is seeing the technology but understanding what the technology could mean you know it, it, it it's it's different and for me to be holding something like this in my hands is sort of rewarding you know this subs it's it's something that we predicted that the technology would be able to do and here is it the technology doing exactly what it's supposed maths and physics actually do work sometimes imagine that <laughs> imagine that <laughs> so let me let me see if i can clarify something here so let, let's take this pen that i'm holding that the diameter of this pen is let's say what maybe seven millimeters mm -hmm. basically if you took one pen mm -hmm. And instead of having this one pen, let's say the, the surface area of this pen, you touch it and it tastes like strawberries. I don't know, whatever, right? If you take this exact same pen and pretending it's a fiber, and instead of having one pen, you have two pens that are half the diameter but increases the surface area around the pen, you've now essentially got twice as much strawberry flavor, right? Exactly. That's, that's the thought. And the smaller you go... Is it true that you get more and more surface area the smaller you go? Exactly. So if the surface area of the fibers you're producing are intended to trap, let's say, I don't know, a coronavirus, if you've now got smaller and smaller fibers, you've got more and more surface area to, to do the work. Exactly. It works exactly like your lungs. 
Ah. <laughs> exactly like your lungs. So if, if you take your lungs and you spread it out, it'll cover an uh, entire tennis ball court. Right. It's it that the surface area in your lungs and the nano structures in your lungs. Right. That is designed to capture and to do the oxygen exchange in your lungs. I, I so I understand your frustration now because in order to get to this point where I now get it, mm-hmm. I've had to basically come to your company and record a podcast. <laughs> I, I get what yeah, I get it. I get it now. So th- the benefits of this is that especially what Big Nano's figured out, you can get the smaller fibers without necessarily having to super invest in bigger machines or am I right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So now this that's one more layperson who you've got on your side Sweet. now. <laughs> So let's talk about Big Nano, the company, the people who work here. How many people work here? Well, we have 12 at the moment, and we are constantly increasing our workforce. Uh, we are going up and up with the numbers. We have, I think, four more hiring going on right now. Um, and we are hoping that by the end of this year, or if not by the end of our you know, six months, by the end of uh, this six months, we will probably be at uh, 20 member team and it is a truly Canadian diversified team we have people from all across nationalities well not nationalities we're all Canadians but all across <laughs> uh, people you know we have people from West Indies we have people from India from Pakistan from uh, a- you know Asia Middle Poland. East Poland so it's, it's it's a very multicultural and very nice uh, team that we have put together and we c- and you know we are constantly working to build it up that's one of uh, my jobs to do so you know what here's one of the tangents that i wouldn't have thought of walking into this discussion but this is important um tell us a little bit about where you go fishing for talent we go fishing for talents through a human resource consultant that we have on board linkedin is one of the uh, areas that we have and you know plus contacts in the industry see we have a unique uh, difficulty or a challenge we just cannot take everybody we need to take somebody who understands a little bit of technology because here the commercial aspects of the business is there but if we need to take somebody on a on a production line or on a research and development side it's not the everyday thing right if the if it is a traditional textiles or if this is a a traditional production facility we can take a lot of people on board but this is a new technology, right? So we need to have people who are technologically inclined, who are willing to learn and listen, and who have some kind of, uh, let's say, uh, mindset to grow with the technology that we have on board. So that is a challenge. But we are, I think we are very fortunate up till now to find a very good team, whatever we have. We have a very robust training procedures as well. Like John trains the people, whoever comes on board. He is the mind and the brain of the company. Uh, So we have, you know, human resource consultants. LinkedIn is a big part of it. And then University of Waterloo. Yeah, local region. University of Waterloo plays a very big part. Yeah, we do get a fair bit of um, interns. And the quality of interns from the University of Waterloo, I must say, is pretty high. So they're pretty bright kids coming out of there. You know, they're able to adapt to what we're doing and get it because there's a pretty big um, material center at the University of, of, of Waterloo. So we are lucky that way. So for instance, we could 
just get an intern and just dump them in our lab and <laughs> they are at home you know we don't have to sort of um start from scratch to sort of bring them up to speed to in terms of what to do so 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 the university of waterloo is one one of the very major so yeah, yes and we are planning that if those interns come and they stay and they do the good work well obviously there is a door for them at the end of their graduation as well right this is this is the intention of having a homegrown talent to come back and work with us all the time this is this is what we drive on it's everything is homegrown everything is homemade so we want to stick to keep doing that Tell me what you can about your R&D, because I understand that R&D can get a little expensive. And like you said, you guys like doing everything homegrown. So doing homegrown R&D is an interesting topic. What, what can you tell me about that? Okay, so we have one of the most modern labs at our premises, and we spend quite a bit of money in developing that lab. That lab is not only for research and development, it is for the testing of the material as well so once we have made the uh, made a material we need to see whether it does what it needs to be doing and for that we have almost all kinds of available parameter lab environment that could exist and now if we come towards R&D well obviously we have to constantly buy new raw material we have to constantly go and hunt for new uh, let's say parameters uh, new raw materials new polymers uh, you know everything like that so that is that is a big part of the business we are at we only started a full scale commercial production about 3 to 4 months ago so now we are well yes because when the pandemic hit we were planning to establish the plant and then after that we were into the research and development then teething problems and everything so four to five months ago we started the commercial production now we have clients all around and all of those clients and now the company is becoming self-sustainable step by step now we are getting there where we are planning to put more and more money towards research and development because this is what the business is all about if we stop in one product we are going to be the last known thing that happened last year so our idea is to just keep growing and our growth is directly related to research and development the more we can do and more products that we can home on to that is our future and that can never stop john can probably add a little bit more <coughs> things to it yeah um yeah so yeah i am pretty proud of the lab so we have um it's pretty modern we have some sem we have a scanning electron microscope we have the palace which is we have pretty sophisticated equipment there and then we have um two lines dedicated to um r and d outside so we have the pilot line which was the original stuff that we proved out a lot of the technology on and then we have the desktop right so so how it usually work is that we have an idea uh someone comes to us and say we have this product well, can you spin it and of course we say but of course we could spin it <laughs> this is big nano we 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 do this just for yeah. lunch you know <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah so so we would um do a quick and dirty test on a desktop basically it's a mini sized melt blowing machine we we run 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 it just to sort of make samples so what we would do we would run a quick trial on our desktop once we are comfortable there and once we have a lot of because the biggest thing is getting the parameters right. Once we get 
everything right on the desktop we scale it up to the pilot line we do a larger test there and then once the PO is right we, we move it to the the bigger units so I would also like to add for anyone who's looking to work for a company that may or may not one day be working to clean up the oceans like that that's cool that to me Absolutely. is cool you start Absolutely. off exactly. melt blown fibers oh we're talking about mass oh by the way you might be able to clean up the oceans too that's yeah. cool. Or you might be one day driving a car that have a significant component made by us. <laughs> yeah. And I know it's the, the, the 11th hour, but say it. Our technology has the ability to revolutionize clean water. Just just hold that in, in, in mind. Yes. You understand? We could actually save Canada from the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's excellent. Wonderful. Gentlemen, thank you so much.